We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. We do this all the time. I'm verified, so you know how that goes. Chris, go ahead. Holler at the people. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. All right, we're preparing for week three of the 24 regular season. The Seahawks are traveling to Minnesota to play their fifth division rival, uh, the Vikings. I feel like they play them every year to talk about the minnesota vikings we have the homie who covers the vikings for the athletic chad graf chad what is up man nice to see you on the podcast yeah it's exciting well five years in a row now get to see you uh at a game so this is exciting yeah no nah, man this is like i said they're the fifth division rival i think the carolina panthers would be seattle's sixth division rival in fact this is the first time since 1902 that they're not playing the panthers <laughs> uh it, it feels like uh so how, how things going over there man oh and two is not it can't feel great over there for those guys right it, it's interesting I, I mean on the one hand like zimmer's coming out and saying you know we played so well we're two plays away from being two and oh there's optimism we're doing so many things right and on the other hand it's like you're 0-2 with the Seahawks coming, the Browns coming after that. Like, there's a very real chance that the Vikings open 0-4 in a season where they thought they were going to make the playoffs. They still think they're going to make the playoffs. So it's kind of, you know, it depends how you look at it. They they legitimately did play well against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, You know, I think a lot of people saw how that game ended, a 37-yard field goal that missed wide right. And then the week before, tons and tons of penalties shot themselves in the foot uh, first and 20, basically every possession. And that's kind of the reason they lost. They had a chance to go down and win the game in overtime. Dalvin Cook fumbled. And and so now here they are sitting at 0-2. So I think there's there's a few reasons they could be this unlucky 0-2. Because you're right, their point differential is like higher than some teams that have wins. You know, right. teams like Baltimore and Green Bay even. Like, you know, teams that are going to be good this year. The Vikings are like, I think it's like minus four or something like that because of how close the wins have been. Um, so I have two theories on why they're so unlucky. My first one has to do with Shield Kapati at The Athletic because I, <laughs> I bought the hype. I bought Shields hype. She Shields sold me on the Vikings, gonna specifically on defense. Like I drafted the Vikings defense in fantasy. His arguments were so like good. They were so injured last year on defense. They got so many good players, I think. 
they were due for some like not regression progression in that way and then this so i think we chad we can do that can we start with blaming shield for the vikings <laughs> of course I, i'm i'm always up for that he you know was very optimistic about the vikings and and the defense and I kind of started to buy into it too. Every time I'd read his stuff, well, he's smarter than me. He knows what he's talking about. So I'll follow along. And it made sense where the Vikings were so depleted in the secondary last year. Their their past defense was horrible. They had maybe the worst defensive line in all of football. Um, they get upgrades at basically all of those spots to Neil Hunter back, Michael Pearson, Dalvin Tomlinson in. Uh, in the secondary, they go sign Patrick Peterson. They signed Bashad Breeland. They still have Harrison Smith. Like, the pieces are there, or at least you could talk yourself into thinking that the pieces would be there. It turns out Brewin has not been very good. Patrick Peterson is, is fine. He's, he's been, I think pretty good, but they just, their corners are not fast and they keep get getting beat deep. And um, I think that's gotta be uh, very worrisome with DK Metcalf coming to town. Uh, yeah, no, having corners who aren't fast and get beat deep, I think that's so uh, recipe for disaster. Yeah, that, that's pretty bad. <laughs> my my other theory on why they're so unlucky because it does feel like an unlucky, like zero and two start. Is th- this is COVID karma? This is this is COVID related <laughs> karma because it could be something like that where they just pissed off the co- Kirk pissed off the COVID gods and now you got to start zero and two even though Kirk is actually playing well. Well, it's amazing because Mike Zimmer suddenly became you know almost the face of the pro vaccination movement, and this is. Not a guy um, known for sort of his progressiveness, really in any sense, um, politically (laughs) or uh, on the field. And he basically recognized the fact that teams with a high vaccination rate were going to have advantages that teams like the Vikings with a lot of important players who are unvaccinated don't have. So far in the regular season, it has not hurt the Vikings yet, but we got 15 more weeks. Kirk Cousins already missed five practices because of a Kellen Mond. Um, the backup quarterback got COVID. So, you know, we'll see. We got a long way to go. Yeah, the, the Seahawks are actually now, I think about on a run of playing some pretty unvaccinated teams. They opened with Indianapolis <laughs> and then had Tennessee come to town. And then I think that's three straight quarterbacks that are unvaccinated. Now that I think Tannehill's not vaccinated, right? I, I don't. I don't think so. I'm not sure. Wow, that's some that's some bad luck uh, there on their part. Uh, but with with Zimmer, I want to talk about him because I think I do think that he and Pete are very fascinating. Pete Carroll, that is, and that they're defensive minded head coaches. And there's only so many of those in the league, still, uh, to be honest. Uh, but they're defensive minded head coaches who have every reason to start caring more <laughs> about offense and change how perhaps how they view it. Um, Pete kind of views. Um, he views throwing as inherently more dangerous than running, um, which I, you can argue whether it is or it isn't. That depends on your quarterback, your receivers, and your line, I think. But he just views it that way. Um, is Zimmer the same way that he and Pete align that way? Uh, I think that if um, downfield passes of more than 20 yards were not allowed, Mike Zimmer's team might be the best team in all of football. Kirk Cousins <laughs> doesn't like to throw it downfield. The Vikings have cornerbacks who get beat deep. If you could take away passes of more than 20 yards or more, I guarantee the Vikings are 2-0. Um, <laughs> I don't think that he necessarily – I was going to say I don't know if he's as far as Pete Carroll in terms of establishing the run, but in a lot of ways he kind of is. Um, he wants – you know. He gets very upset when you say that the Vikings are a run-first team, even though when you look at early downs, they kind of are a run-first team. He doesn't like that. He goes on and on about balance. And his dream made-up scenario, they're going to have 30 passing attempts and, and 30 rushing attempts, and that is how they're going to 
go about things on offense. Um, he's gotten a little bit more involved on offense, I would say, slowly but surely. He revealed um, a couple weeks ago that he and Kirk Cousins sat down to watch film together, and he said it was the first time since Kirk Cousins arrived three and a half years ago that they've ever watched film together, which just oh, seems <laughs> mind-blowing for the quarterback and the head coach to have never like sat in a room together and been like, hey – Cover two, what do you see here? So that seems <laughs> – wow. and then, you know, Mike Zimmer has always loved Teddy Bridgewater. That was the guy he drafted. That was the guy he thought was going to be the face of the Vikings franchise for a decade plus. And so, you know, we said, wow, I can't believe that's the first time that you watch film with Kirk Cousins. Have you done that with other quarterbacks? He goes, oh, yeah, Teddy and I used to do that all the time. Oh, God. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know that Kirk and Zimmer have perhaps the best relationship. I would say they have a functioning – working relationship. Um, but given the high expectations, the amount of money that Kirk Cousins makes, the contract situation for Mike Zimmer, this season has the chance to get pretty dicey um, if the losing continues and if, say, the Vikings open up 0-4. Well, so I was Teddy Bridgewater, I believe, who's throwing it downfield in Denver. Looking pretty uh, I believe. good. I think his downfield number is actually pretty good uh, through two weeks, so that's actually kind of kind of funny. Um, so Pete Carroll, the whole, like, have DK Tyler, Russell Wilson, and still want to pound Chris Carson. It's not going over well over here. Like, despite the fact that they just won a division, like, I mean, it just got the OC fired. Um, essentially, it was a big, <laughs> big deal uh, in the offseason with Russ. Like, even though Seattle's winning, the I'd, Pete Carroll's offensive philosophy just pisses people off up here in Seattle. How is Zimmer's approach to offense going over with players, coach, not maybe not coaches, but players, media, fans? Like, how's that going over in Minnesota? Well, it's interesting because on the one hand, the Vikings have a really, really good wide receiver duo. Justin Jefferson is incredible. Adam Thielen is still very, very solid. Um, and yet, I don't think there's quite the same sentiment as in Seattle, in part because Dalvin Cook is electric. He's so much fun to watch. You get the ball in his hands in space, and, and it feels like he'll rip off 20 yards at any given time. Uh, and then you combine that with the fact that I think two things can be true with Kirk Cousins. One, he legitimately has played very well. He's a top five PFF quarterback right now, which I know shocks a lot of people. Um, he, he's just played well. He's, you know, of anybody, I think with more than 60, he's got the most passing attempts for quarterbacks with zero interceptions. He's legitimately playing well. He set up the Vikings on two potentially game-winning drives, even though they didn't come to fruition. He's playing well. And yet uh, he is so dictated by his reads where um, if the Vikings are trailing or if it's a third and long and the other team plays with three deep safeties or, or cover four or something like that, he'll look and say, well, oh, I know that's Justin Jefferson um, and I would have a tight window, but I don't want to throw that. I have my fullback down here in a check down. I'm going to take that because that's where my reads take me. So it, it's kind of, I think, perplexing for a Vikings fan because on the one hand, you know passing is more efficient. You have two very good wide receivers. Your quarterback, you know, statistically is playing well. And yet, I just think it can be frustrating when you watch Kirk Cousins drop back and then throw it to his tight end uh, for four yards on third and seven, which, you know, I, oh, I think God. you see way too often Kirk Cousins throwing short of the sticks on third down. If you watch the Vikings in two-minute drill, it's often a mess because as Kirk Cousins will come out and say afterward, hey, they're taking away the deep ball. What do you want me to do? And fans are like, I don't care. Throw it to Justin Jefferson. He's so freaking good. Like, I don't care what they're doing. Let your best players make a play. That's part of why Stefan Diggs was so frustrated when he was here. 
he was the number one tight window wide receiver in the NFL. He's like, put it in a tight window, Kirk. I will make a play. And Kirk was like, no, I, I don't throw it in tight windows. No, thank you. <laughs> Didn't Diggs have the commercials where the stuff sticks to his hands? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, he was like outside. You've seen that? Yes. Yeah, he's like checking the mail or something like that. It's like, yeah, he has faith <laughs> in himself. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's really interesting you say that because I posted a clip. Um, Pete Carroll basically lamented uh, Russ's first throw in overtime against the Titans because he's like he throws it to Tyler Lockett, who's kind of double covered but not really. It's incomplete. And then Pete, I've never actually heard him do this, was like, "Yeah, Russ should have checked that down. I wish he could have helped us out there." So it's funny to hear that Kirk's kind of on the opposite. It's like, "No, Kirk, let that thing fly." Whereas in Seattle, it's kind of like a Russ stop being so greedy. These teams are kind of fascinating in that way. When you watch the Vikings play the Seahawks on Sunday, you're not going to think like. Man, Kirk really forced that one deep there. I, I really wish he would have checked down to the fullback. Uh, somehow their fullback gets about five targets a game, it feels like, often on third and ten. So it's just a, a weird combo because Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are so, so good. They finally have a third wide receiver. K.J. Osborne has played really well for them, had a 76-yard touchdown reception on the second play of the game against the Cardinals. Like They've got weapons. Um, they just, you know... I would say they probably don't use them often enough. Yikes. Captain Kirk is definitely king check down, it sounds like. Uh, Fullback getting yeah. five. He's, well, he's, he's, he's kind of – it's weird that he hasn't talked with Zimmer um, much about offense because he seems to be kind of risk-averse in the same way that defensive-minded head coaches tend to be, depending on who their quarterback is. Yeah. But for the most part, they are like risk-averse. It's that idea that, yeah, throwing well, is more inherently dangerous than running it. That, that's fair. And it's not that Kirk never takes shots. He'll just take them, you know, on third and one or something when the defense is playing the run. He's like, well, my reads took me that way because they were taking away the run. And it's like, yeah, I mean, they're taking away the deep pass in this situation because a deep pass hurts them a lot more. So that's why the two minute drill can be so frustrating to watch the Vikings run that because they'll just try to pick you apart. You know, when they're down two touchdowns with four minutes left, he'll take seven yards, seven yards, seven yards, seven yards. And then at the end, like, hey, we did our job. I drove us for a touchdown. It's like, well, yeah, but it took up three and a half minutes. So, <laughs> you know, the other team wins. So that I think that's where a lot of the frustration with Kirk Cousins lies, even though his numbers are just simply really good so far. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You mentioned earlier about the front seven and what Zimmer wants to do. He invites you to run the ball because, A, he wants to stop it. That's the game plan. Now, going up against the Seahawks, we talked a little bit about this off wax in regards to what the Vikings are going to do defensively with two high zones. That means two safeties, that is, and cover two, inviting the run because you're not going to beat us in the past. Is that something you will see, especially with the emergence of DK and Tyra Lockett just keeps doing Tyra Lockett-type things? Do you see that happening again on Sunday? Probably. I mean, I think the Vikings are a little bit scarred by DK Metcalf beating them a year ago. The Vikings thought for sure they were going to win that game. Everything was set up well for them. Um, and then their best cornerback at the time, a guy who's not even starting now, but let's decaf, you know, get by for a 50 yard gain and the Seahawks go on to win by one. And, um, you know, the Vikings just forever cannot figure out Russell Wilson and the Seahawks for some reason. They always play crazy games against each other. Uh, even on Sunday, my timeline was full of national writers and, and, you know, just football fans in general being like, what a crazy game this is. This is insane. This is nuts. This team always plays crazy games like this. And I was reading that and thinking, oh, everybody's talking about the Vikings game. And <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody was talking about the Seahawks. Um, so I'm sure, you know, Zimmer will. I, I do think that for Zimmer, this Seahawks matchup is so much better than the Cardinals one. Like the Cardinals were just a horrible team for the Vikings to play. Um, you know, they, they'll throw it downfield. They'll line up with four wide, uh, four wide receivers, five wide receivers pretty often. And that just doesn't fold into what Zimmer wants to do to give Zimmer credit. He is unbelievably good on third down. So his philosophy this offseason was I'm going to get a bunch of big defensive tackles. We're going to clog up the middle um, we're going to stop you on early downs when you run it. And then on third down, I trust that my schemes are better than yours. That part has checked out and been true. The flaw to that equation is what happens when teams don't run it on early downs? <laughs> like, it's an awesome plan if you know the other team runs it right up the gut on first and second down. The problem is they play Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray, and they're like, uh, you want to take away the run? Fine. We're going to hit Jamar Chase for 40 yards behind you. We're going to hit Rondale Moore for 70 yards. Like, go ahead. So I, I, that is why I think the Seahawks are a much better matchup uh, for the Vikings than their previous two opponents. And you also said that the secondary is a little slower than last year, and that's probably not a good thing just because DK runs a 4-3-4, and then you have Tyra Lockett, who's also a speedster, and he's caught, I don't know, every pass to him is a deep ball. I think he touchdown. leads the league in uh, – Catches of 20 yards or more in the air right I now. Would, I, I would definitely agree with that. Talk about the challenges here that the secondary is going to have to face trying to slow down or just stay in front of DK and lock it. When the Seahawks, they will throw it, but as you did mention, it's a better matchup because, yeah, Pete's going to give the ball to Carson. You can guarantee that for sure. Yeah, and I think Vikings fans should be praying uh, that Pete Carroll's like, I really think this is the week we should establish the run even more than usual. Just because DK and Lockett are, are such a problem. I mean, they're a problem for anybody, even if you have a good secondary, and the Vikings right now don't have a good secondary. Um, they don't have a speedster at corner, so you're probably always going to want to have a safety over top on whatever side DK is on. 
And, you know, then if you do that, how are you going to double cover Lockett? Lockett, I think I saw on PFF right now, is the number one wide receiver when he's facing single coverage. Like, so are you just going to leave Lockett on his own on the other side? Like, good luck with that. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think that the Vikings really have a great scenario for what they can do or what they're going to do um, in, in their passing defense. And that's why I think they just have to hope and pray that Carroll wants to give the ball to Carson 25 times, 30 <laughs> times, let him just carry it as much as possible because the Vikings aren't good against mobile quarterbacks. That's a check against them. They aren't good against fast wide receivers. That's a check against them. And they're not great against great route runners. Another check against oh, God. them. It's a vulnerable <laughs> matchup in terms of the Seahawks passing attack. Uh, if Pete Carroll comes into it and says, forget establishing the run, the Seahawks will win by double digits. If they want to establish the run, I think the Vikings are going to have a decent shot. Oh, man. This is looking good for Seahawks fans that are tuning into the podcast. They're like, <laughs> yes, Pete, I swear, if you run the ball, I am done with this season. But we're speaking on wide receivers, and the Seahawks cornerback situation is it's a it's been a struggle for the most part. Mike and I knew coming into this season, okay, they're going to be challenged in the first few weeks. Okay, we saw that last week with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, although he dropped quite a quite a bit of passes and that hurt their team. But I don't see Justin Jefferson. I don't see Adam Thielen or even Osborne having games where they just drop balls. I'm anticipating that they're going to test the cornerback situation in Seattle because right now, Trey Flowers, he is in a situation where at this point, Mike talked about it last week on the, on the podcast saying they're going to put him in a room. Hey, whoever wants to come out here and compete, you're going to start Sunday. And then you got DJ Reed, who's playing pretty well, but he's undersized. So how do you see how do you see that matchup going with those two guys that are elite, and then you have Osborne that's coming in and stepping up to the plate? Well, it's just dawning on me how insane this matchup is and can be <laughs> as you go through all of that, where both teams would be way better off in this matchup passing it. And yet both of head coaches are like, ah, I don't know. I think we might really want to establish the run here. So it could be just incredible in that sense because – as we talked about, Kirk Cousins is playing well. Justin Jefferson is incredible. And the routes he runs are, you know, almost like a young Devontae Adams. He's just so yeah. smooth in and out. Uh, you know, it's just a really good wide receiver duo. Um, I don't know that the Vikings are going to take advantage of it enough. Um, they've gone to Adam Thielen a lot in the red zone, and, and they'll pass more than you would think down there. But they also want to run the ball. So I think – you know, if the Vikings can keep it, um, you know, tight early, that could bode well because then they can get Cousins under center doing some of the play action stuff. He's one of the best play action quarterbacks in the NFL. And that is where they really do their damage, especially when, um, you know, the offensive line isn't great. So they'll roll Cousins out. He can reset away from the pocket. And that's when he often hits Jefferson and Thielen for deep plays. Um, the problem was in week one, because of the penalties, they were down early, chasing the Bengals. They got away from the play action. The passing game wasn't as crisp because of that. So I think the keys for the Vikings, um, hope that Pete Carroll wants to establish the run, keep it tight early, and then uh, it, that way they can sort of take advantage of, I think, you know, a struggling Seahawks secondary a little bit with the play action and getting Justin Jefferson deep. Do I have this right, that the Vikings, have, Zimmer's never beat Russ? No, they they play him. I mean, as you mentioned, they're the fifth team in the division and Russ just has their number. And it's not even like they've been a lot of blowouts. I think there was one in there, but it's been a lot of close games and they just can't pull it out. 
Yeah, I, I, I was looking. I was like, I got it up in front of me now. It looks like uh, 2015 was that was the, the beatdown, 38 to seven. That that wasn't great. Uh, but it looks like 21 to seven in 2018. And if I remember correctly, in that game, I think the Seahawks scored on defense. Uh, I want to say uh, like so they didn't even put up that many points on offense. 2019 was 37 to 30. But I do that feels like a game that Russ didn't also play that well. Uh, I think. I t- played all right. Two touchdowns, one pick. But I think they had to run the ball really well. Like, I feel like Zimmer's done a good job. Even even last year, what, the Seahawks were down 13 nothing. <laughs> yeah. You yep. want to say it? It was ugly. <laughs> at half? Like, this guy. Let's, let's and say, all, all of right. that makes no mention of the fact that the Vikings should have won that playoff game where they had another kicker miss another That's field right. goal. Like, they've been in all of these games. There are a lot of them that you, you would think in the middle of the fourth quarter, oh, the Vikings have this. And then – you know, Russ hits DK or something crazy happens and they miss it. The Vikings miss a kick and, and they just can't pull out a game against Seattle. So the other, the kicking thing is, I mean, <laughs> for me, I'm a proponent of hashtag never kick. Like I'm to the point where like, sure, you could have a kicker on your team to like do kickoffs, right? But for the most part, <laughs> the like disrespect. go down there and try to score. I think you get a lot of teams who are like, oh, we can just you know, play for the field goal here, whatever, with this overtime into the, the game. I mean, how many kicks does, does uh, what's his name, Joseph? That's the new guy uh, in yep. there. How many times, how many kicks does he have to miss before Zimmer just goes full on never kick over there? I, I have to tell, well, a couple of things. First of all, do not watch back uh, the end of that game if you are mm-hmm. never kicked because the Vikings get to the 20 yard line. So it's going to be a 37 yard field goal with 40 seconds left on the clock. They've got one timeout. They are just, killing the Cardinals on the run. They're killing them, you know, in the passing game at this point, they're moving the ball with ease. And instead of continuing to either make it a shorter field goal or to go for the touchdown, they sit back for those 40 seconds. Don't run another play, then call timeout with one second, put the kicker out there. He misses. So they had plenty of opportunity to make it an easier kick and they just sat back and didn't. Um, Second, uh, you know, Zimmer has gotten a lot of heat over the years um, for how he's handled the kicking situation. The Vikings, th- this predates Zimmer. They've had horrible, horrible kicking What going back 30, 40 years. In some ways, it feels like the franchise is just cursed with kickers. Um, but they cycled through a bunch of different kickers. They finally, a couple of years ago, draft Daniel Carlson in the fifth round. He's a rookie, the highest drafted rookie. He was the best college kicker, a, a can't-miss guy who is going to be good. And then he misses in the preseason – And this is the preseason exhibition game does not count, does not matter. But in the halftime interview with Mike Zimmer, he goes, well, if our kicker is just going to be missing these, we're going to start going for two. Like this is (laughs) your rookie in a preseason game, like give him some confidence. And he's like, if he's going to miss, I'm done. I'm going for two. Uh, And so his confidence was shattered after that. He missed field goals in week two against Green Bay that cost him a win. uh, And he was cut the next day and is now outstanding with the Raiders. So you know, I oh, think God. part of it is just oh, bad luck man. with the Vikings. And the other part is Zimmer just, uh, you know, he doesn't want to treat kickers any differently than he would a defensive end, um, though he probably should uh, give them a bit more of a break or build their comments or just don't even talk to them and don't even look at them. Leave that to somebody else. And instead, he just can't help himself but make fun of kickers a little bit. Are there kicking coaches? I just thought about this. Is there a coach that you just go over there and he, you know how that quarterback coaches? <laughs> 
The Vikings right. have tried everything. They tried hiring <laughs> specifically a kicking consultant, um, and even that didn't work. They've tried getting the best rookie. They got the best rookie in Daniel Carlson. That didn't work. They said, all right, screw that. We're going to go get the most accurate veteran kicker of all time. They signed Dan Bailey. That doesn't work. They just n- – nothing works. I don't know what to do. Like, people have been asking, what should they do? I'm like, they've tried everything. I don't know what they should do. They've tried veterans. They've tried – Accurate kickers, big leg kickers, rookie kickers. It, it just doesn't work in Minnesota. Well, the, the other thing is, too, with kickers, I feel like um, kicking success is kind of volatile year to year, right? Like, it, it, it. I mean, I'm not super advanced analytic guy on kickers, um, although I do. I did read your story that cited EPA with kickers, <laughs> and I didn't know kicking EPA, kick, yeah, EPA that. expected points added. I didn't know kicking EPA was a thing. Um, and I, but Shout I could see, they, I could, they only know that in Minnesota. <laughs> I could, well, I could see how the Vikings EPA on kickers could be low. Well, uh, I, I, it, even if you go like, okay, this guy was good last year, there's very little guarantee that he'll then be good the, the, the next year. So, like, once you, I don't, I don't even know how they solve it either. Uh, they signed Blair Walsh, who was, you know, one of the best kickers in the NFL, which, you know, is easy to forget. They signed him to a contract <laughs> extension just before that Seahawks playoff game. And then oh, he God. misses the 27 yarder against the Seahawks uh, <laughs> and was never the same after that. Like two days after that, he went into a kindergarten classroom to do like this feel good moment where they wrote Uh-oh. in cards like, it's OK, it doesn't matter. And then he just got heckled for that forever as the guy who was like in the kindergarten classroom two days after costing them a playoff win and uh, and never recovered. I remember him talking about that. He played here that two years later, I think. Yeah, and then missed a bunch of kicks. That was him, right, in 2017 when they had Blair Walsh? Uh, yeah, Blair Walsh in, 20, in 2017. Yeah. yeah, he missed. The Seahawks were going to miss the playoffs anyway in 2017 because uh, in Week 17 they're – they needed someone else to win. I think it was like the Panthers needed to beat the Saints or something like that. But Blair didn't know that, obviously. <laughs> uh, so they're nine and six. Games on the line against the Cardinals misses the kick. And they end up going nine and seven. And it's the only nine win season uh, in Russ's career. They would have easily just been ten and six. Now they still would have missed the playoffs. Dang, isn't but that they would have been ten and six. He misses in a playoff game and he misses for a no, chance. No, no, this was no, it's a no. chance to go to the playoffs. Yeah. I'm talking about with the Vikings, though. Against uh, yeah. the Seahawks. Amazing misses- that the Seahawks were like, well, you you helped us out a couple years earlier. We'll throw you a bone and give you another chance. <laughs> and then the chance for the Seahawks to get a ten win season. He's like, nah, I'm sorry. Guys. He missed a few sorry, kicks Russ. that year too. <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah. it was it was. Uh, he's out of the league. It looks like. Um, which you know what? God bless. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Did, I mean, I have advice for Zimmer if he'll listen to me. Just don't kick. He's on to it with the two point thing. Just don't kick. They're pretty close, and that goes against every like conservative nature, every bone in his body. And yet he's had such bad kicker luck that they may have to. One last kicker story from the Vikings. I think this was just a year ago, maybe two years ago. It was two years ago. They traded. Um, so Justin Tucker is in Baltimore, obviously. And Baltimore had a backup kicker at the time named Kari Vedzik, who was you know lighting it up in the preseason. So the Vikings are like, hey, we haven't tried trading for a kicker yet. Let's trade for a kicker. <laughs> so they give up a fifth-round pick for Kari Vedvik. He, he arrives in Minnesota, and they don't know if he's going to punt or kick. They need both, and the guy can apparently do both. So they try him as a punter, just okay. Try him as a kicker, just okay. Gave up a fifth-round pick for the guy, and then he never made the active roster because he couldn't punt or kick after Mike oh Zimmer said, God. you know, maybe we'll have him do both. And then they just cut the guy that they traded a fifth-round pick for. So they have legitimately tried every option in the book and just can't have the kicker. 
Uh, yeah, I don't, that would have been it for me right there. Right. That would have been it if I was ever. That would have been going for two every time now. Yeah, Doesn't that would have been the one. <laughs> I remember you'd have been that, that uh, high school coach that just goes for two every time. Or <laughs> yeah, the guy's like Presbyterian never College or something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah never he punts. never kicks. No, he he goes for onsides every time too. That's yeah, crazy. No, it's it's his team just scored like eighty four points a couple weeks ago. But I remember that trade now that you mention it because it the math on fifth round picks in the NFL does not make sense. Michael Bennett got traded for fifth round pick. Calais Campbell got traded for yep. fifth round pick. Uh, f- to the Ravens, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the Vikings g- give up a fifth round pick for a kicker. It's just the the, the Seahawks. I think I've got kicker gotten, slash punter. Yes, kicker <laughs> slash do it all guy. The Seahawks give a fifth round pick for Quentin Dunbar and one for Gabe Jackson, a starting right guard, and then gave him like thirty million bucks or something like that. The, the that that trade is what made me think the league does not know what a fifth round pick is worth, <laughs> exactly. or at the very least, Mike Zimmer may not know. That's crazy. What a fifth round pick! I'm is. stunned. Yeah. If uh, so, going back to the game a little bit here, we'll have you do a prediction at the very end. But in the in the event that they go zero three, which virtually guarantees ma- missing the playoffs, I think the math on that is a little different now with 17 games. But you start zero three, probably not gonna make the playoffs. At what point do heads start rolling over there in in Minnesota? Because they have talent, so I mean, someone's got to go if they're not winning games. Yeah, zero and two. It's already tough enough. Arif, you know, my colleague at the athletic doing the Viking stuff at a story today, um, trying to extrapolate like with the 17th game, how did the odds change? And it's somewhere around like a 12 to 15% chance you have if you start 0 and 2 and making the playoffs. So if you start 0 and 3, I mean, we're talking probably 5% or less that you're going to mm. get to the playoffs. So um, I, this would be if the Vikings missed the playoffs, the first time under Mike Zimmer that they've missed the playoffs in back to back years. Before this, it's been alternating every other year. They miss the playoffs, they make the playoffs, they miss the playoffs, they make the playoffs. He's been close to, you know, possibly being relieved of his duties a couple of times already. Um, when they went and played the Saints two years ago in the playoffs, it seemed like if they lost that game or got blown out in that game, the Vikings might be starting from scratch. Instead, they go somehow upset the Saints before going to the 49ers uh, in the divisional round and got crushed by them. So, uh It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think if they start 0-3, then Mike Zimmer and GM Rick Spielman are firmly on the hot seat. Um, I think it would probably take 0-4 or 1-5 to actually make a change midseason. The Vikings ownership group kind of tries to view themselves as if they're the Steelers. They want to um, build a stable organization. They want to you know, keep the same coach, keep the same GM for a long time and have that stability. But if you're one in five after having missed the playoffs last year, then went to ownership and said, let's spend a ton of money in the offseason in free agency. We're going to fix this thing. And that didn't work. Then I think, you know, you're probably going to start to see some changes at that point if they're one in five or so. Could a, I mean, can they financially upgrade at quarterback? Is that uh, possible? I know Kirk's not the problem necessarily, but like that's the, the position that if you upgrade, you're more likely to increase your wins than any other position. Right. I mean, it's tough because he's both not the problem, but at the same time, if you're going to spend $35 million on the cap at quarterback, it better be somebody who can go out and just steal you a game like Russ can, like Mahomes can, like basically all of the other quarterbacks paid that can. He can't do that. Um, so if they miss the playoffs, I think we're talking about like a full cleaning house. I think the GM could go, the head coach could go, and then whoever the next GM would probably, I would think, look to trade Cousins for, you know, hey, we'll give you a third round pick in Kirk Cousins. We don't want anything back. Just 
take him. We want him off our books. We're done. <laughs> and then you draft a quarterback in the first round and you start that cycle of like, if we're right, this is going to be great. And if we're not, we're going to be picking quarterbacks every four years trying to find the guy. Um, just because you can't be paying $35 million and not having a guy who can go out and just steal you a game. Yeah, you need someone in that. I don't know where uh, Kirk has been in uh, Mike Sando's uh, quarterback tiers with the anonymous scouts. And the, do you remember he was he was tier three? Yeah. Has he been? Has he been higher than that ever? Do you know? I think he might have been fringe tier two one time, but he's pretty much always been tier three. And that's just not worth thirty five mil. That's right. that 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 and like you, unless you're at, at his age. Like if Kyler's tier three or whatever, maybe he ascends. Or I think Joe Burrow might have been tier three already or something. Like those guys are going up in theory. Kirk's what thirty? He's old. 30 in NFL terms, yeah, you can't you can't be at that age, and then you're still in tier three. Like, come on, man, we need we need win to start, some games. Yeah, man. we need to win win some games out here, multiple playoff games, um, if if we can. Uh, yeah, once, he's he's thirty three, and it's tough because it kind of made sense at the time. They signed him after the twenty seventeen season where they had the number one defense. They went to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum. You like, like that? They, they thought. <laughs> If you know, if we can get to the NFC Championship game with Case Keenum at quarterback, think of what we can do with a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who you know may not light it up, but just has a high floor. Like he's never going to kill you like Case Keenum could. So that's why they signed him. And it just, uh, you know, if they have the number one defense like they did in 2017, it'd be great. It's just hard to have the number one defense because you can't pay to have the guys needed for the number one defense when you're giving your quarterback 35 million. Yeah, you know, now that you think, now I mentioned, now that you mentioned it, that actually, I, I can applaud that process at the time. That, because that defense was pretty loaded at the, because that would have Griffin. Xavier Hunter, Rhodes was the Rhodes. best corner at the time. Yeah. Now, the, the problem, so that initial three year contract makes sense. They gave him another two years after that. And that is where it's like, oh, All I right, didn't now know. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so he's still got a couple more years on his contract. That's the part that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't blame them for 2017. Um, you know, they had done a bunch of studies on Teddy Bridgewater and, and thought, man, it's just too risky to trust that he's going to come back from this horrific leg injury. Um, otherwise, they would have kept him. And so now, you know, Cousins is signed through all of next season, too. Oh, oh, I see. I, I don't think I knew that part, Chris. One more I, year. I, I thought that that for some reason I may have thought the three year deal was just about to end or something. Oh, wow, that's a Godspeed in Minneapolis. Godspeed. Godspeed. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's talk about the front lines in this game because I'm sure g- both coaches would agree that's where the the game is going to be decided. The matchup. I, th- I mean, both both sides of the ball matter to both teams, but specifically, I want to talk about the Vikings D line, which has Daniel Hunter on it, who's second in. Second in the league in sacks, I think, behind Chandler Jones. And, I mean, Chandler just basically destroyed Taylor Luan and threw him into the abyss, which is kind of how he got five sacks in one game. Um, but where do you – and then Seahawks' whole line has actually been playing pretty well, uh, I think, pass protecting. Dwayne Brown didn't play all of camp, um, basically used his PTO in August and showed up to work, which is like <laughs> – you want to talk about a, a plot. vet move? Yeah. yeah, no, I mean Jalen Ramsey did it too. He used all his PTO and then got shipped to LA uh, <laughs> before the during the Jacksonville trade. Uh, so knowing that the Seahawks have a really reliable, at least left side of their line with a really good left tackle in Dwayne, and the Vikings have one of the best pass rushes at least in the game right now in this season. How do you see that matchup going? Who has the advantage? Do you think on Sunday? I think, as you mentioned, the Seahawks are going to be just fine on the left side. The Vikings are one of the rare teams who use their best pass rusher going up against the other team's right tackle. So, uh, you know, at 
at defensive end of who's going to be going up against, you know, the Seahawks left side, it's just kind of okay. DJ Wanham is fine. Steven Weatherly is fine. Neither one of them are, are all that great. The Vikings' pass rush has either been have Mike Zimmer dial up a sweet blitz that the other team, you know, didn't see on film and didn't know was coming or just let to know Hunter go wild. Um, so it's kind of been a one man show the, their defensive front is okay at, at that one defensive end spot. Great with Hunter. And then in the middle, you know, as we kind of mentioned before, they went out and signed in free agency, two massive run stuffing dudes who, you know, come out every third down. Basically if it's second and eight or longer, they're coming out any passing situation. They're going to take those guys out because they're just 700 pounds of, we don't want you to run on us. Um, so that is how the, the Vikings' defensive line matches up. Hunter is a legit problem, though. Like He quietly is a top-five defensive end. He had some contract disputes and, and wanted to get paid a little bit um, this past offseason, but he was coming off of a season-ending neck injury. And the Vikings were like, we're not going to pay you a ton of money when you didn't play a single down last year. So he restructured his contract in a way that he can basically become a free agent after this season and then get paid. So he's basically on a tour right now of, I want, you know, close to TJ Watt money come March 15th. So uh, he is a man on a mission. He is, he's been unbelievable so far. Um, so if you're, if you're a Seahawks fan, you know, kind of looking at what you should be watching or who's going to be chasing after Russell Wilson, it's probably not going to be the other three guys in the defensive <laughs> line, but uh, watch out for 99 to know Hunter. Oh, he didn't change his number. Okay. I thought he right. was going to be, no, be, be 90, number nine. 99's <laughs> a dope defensive lineman number. I also like Carlos Dunlap's number eight, right? That's pretty yeah, dope. No, I think so. It's pretty where, cool. Where are you at on the jersey number change, Chad? So uh, I was okay on it. Sheldon Richardson, they're, they're like big um, defensive tackle, war number nine in training camp. But because he's not kind of like that hybrid linebacker, he couldn't come up with the excuse to stick with it um, into the regular <laughs> season. So they went to him like, Look, I know we made these changes, but defensive tackles still can't wear a single digit. Uh, oh, so man. They, he had to go from nine to ninety. I kind of like it. Um, the bigger, like he was in sometimes at nose tackle. That part looked a little weird to me to see a nose <laughs> tackle at like number nine. Uh, but I mostly like it. It's, I'm still kind of getting used to it. Like Patrick Peterson is is with the Vikings now. You know, some of the Seahawks have seen plenty of. He's back to his college number, number seven, and I think that looks pretty cool. Um, so I'm, I'm still getting used to it a little bit. Sheldon Richardson is a name I hadn't heard in a little, I it's forgot. It's been a minute. I forgot yeah. that he was there. Traded for that man. Yeah. Traded <laughs> for him. Then he ends up with Browns. Now. Yeah. Yep. Did, how many other former, do they still, who was the other, they had a, there was a run there where the Seahawks were just sending guys to the Vikings <laughs> and vice versa. It was like Tom Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's the other guy? Who's it? was another defensive tackle. Our defensive tackle. Now it's going to be questioned here on the podcast. Shell Stefan. Yes. Shamar. Shamar, Shamar Stefan. Yep. Yeah. I know it. I knew it. Is he still there? He was with the Vikings last year. He was part of that group that Zimmer went to ownership. Was like, I cannot have these guys again. Like, you got to get me somebody else. <laughs> okay. So he's very he's out of here. Okay. So Sheldon. All right. I didn't. I'm trying to keep up here. I can't watch every team though. I did watch the Vikings game, um, and I thought they were going to win. You know what's this is? This, I did too. <laughs> I watched the game. This is very rare. I watched the game on Game Pass Monday, not knowing who won. Oh, and that was I a good one to not know. I did not know who won. Um, and I'm not a huge Gus Johnson fan, but that was the perfect game for him to announce. Oh, where beautiful. Seven lead changes, crazy, crazy plays, Kyler running like crazy, and just having Gus Johnson like yelling and screaming in the back. It, it kind of worked. 
Yeah, that that was actually yeah, it was rare. I never get to do that really. I watched it not knowing who won, so I actually thought he might have made the kick. And then <laughs> Gus's call, and then I actually heard the rate. I think it's the Vikings radio broadcast has gone viral uh, of <laughs> of the missed kick. Have you heard that, Chris? I have not. I'm gonna play it for you after the show. Everyone, after you turn off the podcast later, go listen to the Vikings broadcast of the kick. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever, <laughs> unless you're a Vikings uh, a Vikings fan. That it's hurts actually, a little bit. Yeah, no, that's not it's, fun. It's it's, it's maybe uh, I'll put it in the podcast. No, no. No, I don't. We don't have the rights to that. We don't get in trouble. Yeah, we don't. Me? Okay. Yeah, like Chris is trying to get us. Hey, you never yeah, know. Get, get us. In we trouble, do it all man. the time on radio. Things are different, though. Yeah, I get no, it. A little, little different. But yeah, that was. I did watch that. Uh, I'm, I'm with the jersey number thing, though. I like it. It just I popped like in jersey. my head. Hello, random. My apologies there. But no, that's, we went on a tangent about a tangent about kickers. Yeah, dude. that is like, true. We did know, go on true. a tangent about. And then it's like kickers, and, and somehow <laughs> Shamar Stefan and Tom Johnson came up. Yeah, yeah. No. So let's let's close it out with some people know. We're gonna do our over under segment. Last week. I think it was. Let's not talk about it. No, no, we gotta talk about it. Um, <laughs> the reason, because it explains why the number is what it is. Now we're gonna do over under d- rushing yards for Dalvin Cook at ninety nine and a half, which is the same number we had for Derrick Henry last year. We very rarely last repeat. Week. Or, 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 last week, thank you. We very rarely repeat our over under numbers. However, it just feels fitting because we thought halfway through that damn game <laughs> that good. under was gonna hit. <laughs> he went over. In the second half, like for the second half, had 142. So I know Dalvin's been play, uh, Dalvin played really well against the the Cardinals. That was probably the thing on Minnesota side that stuck out um, when I watched that game. Is Dalvin looks like I called him a uh, a missile with dreadlocks. Like that dude, he just hits the hole so hard. Where are you at on the over under 99 and a half yards for Dalvin against the Seahawks? He he does. He's such a hard physical runner that he took some big big shots against the Cardinals. Super banged up, you know, had to kind of limp off the field a couple of times, sprained ankle. So if he's healthy, you know, we'll kind of see if he's practicing in the next couple of days. But if he's healthy, I'm going to take the over on this in part because I could see Zimmer being like, um, you know, the, the other coach on the other sideline wants to slow this down. I'll slow it down with him. Like, let's just keep running it. Let's give Dalvin 25 carries. So uh, I'm going to take the over on this, um, thinking that this is going to be a pretty run-heavy game. Oh boy, this is going to be a game out of 2009. I can feel it already. Yeah, both coaches are like, both combined 400. They, you know, they run for yeah. 200. Yeah, the leading defensive players in snaps are going to be all the defensive tackles. They're going to have to like 70 snaps. Everyone's in the ice tub after this game. Before we get to your game prediction, though, I do think like for the Seahawks, that's you, you pointed to a very important matchup. Is Daniel Hunter against whoever plays right tackle for the Seahawks? We actually don't know who yeah, that Brandon going to Schell, be. Ankle injury. Brandon Shell got hurt um, in the fourth quarter against the Titans, and he was limping bad. I mean, real bad. He probably should have got on the cart to go to the locker room. And so behind him is either Jamarco Jones, who hasn't never really looked good at right tackle, or undrafted rookie Jake Curran out of um out of Cal. Like undrafted right tackle could be making his first start against a top five defensive Not and good. that could be that's probably thank you chad just help me create a storyline for this week <laughs> so spoiler it's gonna be one of my stories this week is how i look at hunter versus the right tackle situation uh with that in mind though give us your game prediction chad what you got um i usually do the line beforehand but i don't have the line in front of me well we got i believe moves. it's uh the seahawks are one and a half point favorites it's now so the vikings are home underdogs. Oh, okay too. Yep, it just just changed. Just probably. moved. Okay, yep. all right. Okay, Seahawks all right. minus two. So I haven't been super high on the Vikings. Um, I think that they have legitimate problems in the secondary. I picked the Cardinals to beat them because I thought that was just such a bad matchup for them. But Mike Zimmer a few times has basically coached for his job, 
And when he's done that, he has had his best defensive performances. It happened against the Saints a couple of years ago. It happened in the Minneapolis Miracle game. Like when Zimmer's back is against the wall and it seems like he's going to be fired, he comes out with a great game plan. I think that he does that again. I think that the Seahawks match up well with what the Vikings want to do, assuming that PKL doesn't come out throwing it and giving DK Metcalf and, and Lockett a chance, because if he does that, the Vikings are in big trouble. But <laughs> assuming he's going to give it to Chris Carson, I think that plays right into the Vikings' hand, and I think that the Vikings are going to sneak away with their first win of the season, uh, let's say 24-23. Oh, Ooh. damn. Wow. And it doesn't come down to a field goal. Oh, oh, that, okay. That's, that's, that's huge. Good, good call there. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm, that's I'm a little big. nervous saying Vikings 24. Uh, <laughs> like how we can get there without a field goal? There's well, a safety, go for, go and they two, go for uh, two. Yeah, go for two three times. Yeah, you can just go perfect. Full, uh, perfect. Yeah, the they get it all three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah get hey. it all three times. Perfect. Yeah. Or you go for it four times and never get it. <laughs> I, I guess that that would. I mean, you could, you yeah, could do that too. Right. Just full on never kick. I like it. We haven't had someone pick against the Seahawks in a little bit. I think it's probably been since last year. What? I can't remember. I think the Niners I think on the Jordan, road? I think Jordan picked the Rams in week 16, I want to say. And that, they ended up losing. We have to go back and check the tape. I'm with you, Chad. I think – I don't know if I'm picking the Vikings, but Zimmer's due, man. He's – he's. I think he's – Well, he hasn't beat Russell. Yeah, he <laughs> – Well, he should have last year. Like, from the Vikings, he should have won that game. They're, I mean, if I think it's Madison. What if Madison the- goes to his left on the fourth down carry yep. – instead of his right running right in like Cody Barton the four, they convert games over if i didn't know he was the best corner at the time whoever was guarding dk on the on the long ball on the fourth down dude yeah. doesn't even look up he didn't even look at the ball <laughs> it was, uh, it's, yeah it's like well, who was that was that not dancer Cam dancer yeah that was dancer oh, okay yeah. yeah so wow i didn't know he was a cb1 at the time yeah <laughs> it was man, a rough year last year he doesn't even look at the ball I yeah. mean, it's just like inexplicable stuff. I wouldn't even want to blame on the coach. I, I guarantee Zimmer shot him to look at the ball. It, it was, wasn't even know, just fourth down. It was fourth and ten. They had three fourth because fourth downs. We're getting real nerdy here. Fourth downs are really volatile. Like it's a, it's like it could go either way, and it's really hard to predict what's going to happen on a third down or a fourth down. The Vikings had four consecutive fourth downs go against them in the like in the yeah, final to lose four, in the fourth quarter. That's <laughs> really hard to do like the ball could go one way someone gets a holy call no they had fourth down they got stuffed fourth and 10 heave to dk fourth and goal touchdown to dk and it's just like that's, yeah, that's just you lose that game right i'm Sorry. saying that's just hard to do like that i don't yeah. even know how much that is even a coaching thing like that's really <laughs> it's just, just bad luck that's bad luck <laughs> they're really good at finding hard ways to lose <laughs> <laughs> well Maybe they won't do that. We don't know. We don't know. Chad's we'll picking the out. Vikings. I'll have a pick later this week. I gotta. I gotta see. We put Chad on the spot in a way that we don't have to do yet because it's our <laughs> what? So no, Absolutely that, not. You that is me? great. But Chad, we appreciate you joining us, man. It's good to see you. I think this is your first time doing the video portion of the show, man. We'll see you on Sunday, uh, real quick. I'm verified. Are you verified on Twitter, Chad? <laughs> I I hate to admit this, but yes. What's your What's your Twitter handle? Uh, I'm not as creative as you guys. I'm just at Chad Graf. We have two of the three people on the show that are verified. I'll let the listeners figure out who the third person is that's on the show that is Blue not. Blue check coming soon. With that said, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning into the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, uh, powered by the Athletic. Again, shout out to the company. Shout out to our special guest. Chad Graff for joining us, man. Uh, I'll see you this Sunday, man. Uh, we'll, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Seahawks Man to Man podcast after the game. On that note, we're out.